episode 21. It is Monday, October 17th, the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats in the studio. Blaine Disrude, trader and research analyst. Welcome. Welcome, Danny. Trevor Nargis, trader and research analyst. Welcome to the pod. Hey, good morning, guys. We got one of the big figures that the market has been paying attention to over the course of the past year. Uh, we got CPI last week, and initially the market really took that on the chin, but ended up doing quite well as far as defending that. Also got a big week this week as far as earnings starting to roll in. That's going to be a really good indicator of how companies are starting to manage a tougher backdrop. So we'll kind of jump into it here. I want to circle back to the CPI figure that we talked about. I think that's somewhat of a strength right now. And Blaine, we can kind of do a little bit of a back and forth here. But I think at face value, you know, market actually did a pretty good job of fighting off uh, that CPI report. You know, a couple things came in a little hotter than expected month over month. But I think from a forward indicator standpoint, we have seen a lot of those forward indicators starting to come down. You know, we're seeing freight costs coming down. We're seeing uh, the Bloomberg Commodity Index. We're starting to see that turn south, which is good on the inflation front as far as kind of help curbing those elevated levels. I mean, the fact that you got the market down almost 25% year to date, it's starting to show some signs that we might be trying to find a bottom here. There's obviously more potential downside. If the CPI number comes out hotter next time, but at the moment there was initial knee-jerk reaction, bad news, and then the market throughout the rest of that day fought it off. Yeah, I think from a contrarian standpoint, too, is that when it's really hard to see any of the bullish arguments, I mean, just talking to people, you know, getting out on the street and having some conversations with people, when it's really tough for people to see the positive in things, that kind of can perk your ears up and start to think, okay, maybe, you know, some of the peak negative sentiment is in here. Maybe there's some opportunity to start putting some money to work. But I mean, you never know, right? I think, like you said, things could always get worse. But, you know, as human beings, we have this cognitive bias to assume that when things are bad, they're going to continue to be that way forever. So there is some psychological aspect to that. So something to note for sure. Yeah, the max negativity, we're getting closer to that. Headline news continues to be downward as far as biases, and you don't see a lot of good news in in the news reports or on the TV or even in the Wall Street. It's just bad, bad, bad. Well, and it's also, you know, negative news uh, grabs people's attention much more so than, than positive news does. And with the current backdrop, definitely easier to kind of swing towards that side of things right now. I think from a weakness standpoint, you know, I don't want to kind of just go to the opposite of what we were just talking about right now, but I guess what weaknesses are you seeing right now? The economic data that we've gotten so far has been slowing down, but we haven't seen the worst of it yet. It's still, I mean, we're debating whether or not we're in a recession, like that's been talked about for the last several months, and we haven't quite seen unemployment tick up to the degree that would suggest recessionary or recessionary measures or uh, the Fed potentially pivoting. So there's still bad data that is to come. Right. And, you know, a big focus has been on the consumer this year. We're starting to see retail sales slow and soften, but not really hitting that hard contraction yet. Prime day for those of you playing at home, that was last week. That was seen as somewhat of a disappointment. Um, it's going to be interesting to see 
what Black Friday is like this year. Just kind of thinking through, you know, inventories have been built up. You have a lot of companies that are over ordering. You know, some people are saying that, hey, Black Friday sales might be really good this year. But obviously, the other side of that equation is how are consumers going to respond to that? Yeah, and Bank of America has a bunch of data, and they always put out their what they have or what they're seeing in the bank accounts for typical consumer. They're saying that the balance sheets are still okay. They're not, oh my gosh, we got to freak out here or worry about it, uh, given how bad inflation's been. But they are seeing big ticket items start to slow down as far as consumers going out and making those big purchases. Those have started to come down. And a lot of that can also be attributed to, you know, kind of the shift from goods to services. You had a big boom in the consumption of goods uh, with the onset of the pandemic. And now people are kind of starting to shore up. And I mean, you see that with high inflation too, right? I mean, staples have become more of a staple, right? People have been shifting more of their consumption to that side of the spectrum. You see consumers kind of shifting down the scale. So what I mean by that is, you know, Walmart, right, just a little while ago, mentioned that they saw an uptick in kind of those hiring consumers shopping at their stores because people have kind of been scaling back a little bit, looking for more deals, more value. And I mean, this is what the Fed's expecting. This is what they want to see. They want to see that slowdown. They just don't want to see it come to a grinding halt or cause a massive recession, right? So more to come with the Fed hiking rates, given where inflation's at. As far as economic data goes, it'll likely get worse from here. Yeah, and I think one thing to note as well is going to be, I think I think a weakness in and of itself is potentially cash flows at the moment. It's one thing I've been kind of watching throughout the year, and we've seen free cash flow margins kind of have some pressure throughout the year. We've seen those kind of come down a little bit. I like to look at the free cash flow margin as opposed to just nominal values. Uh, I think you get more of a story from looking at the margin trends. But yeah, we've seen those free cash flow margins come in. Seen companies kind of have somewhat of a struggle. I think the tough environment from when the economy reopened, trying to gauge how consumers are going to behave, the over-ordering of inventory, that's obviously eating into cash flows and you have increasing labor costs. So it's just this slew of factors that's really made it a lot harder for these companies to navigate the current environment. So the way that free cash flows are behaving, I would say that's somewhat of a weakness here. Yeah. And I know you guys hit on it last week. But watching those volumes of what's actually being sold or what's actually being produced by the companies, not just the price increases, but making sure that there's true organic growth from a value standpoint as well. Exactly. But like we said, you know, obviously there there is bad news. There might be more to come. But I do think that there are also some opportunities. So what are you seeing right now? Uh, we mentioned it a little bit before, but working around that market bottom potentially here. And that can span over more than just this week or even months, but the market itself has been kind of showing some signs of resiliency as we've getting, gotten close to this minus 25% mark somewhat in June, and now we're seeing it again. The growth aspect inside the market is starting to show some signs of attractiveness. There's certain sectors and places within that growth component that are looking attractive or looking cheap, if you will. Um, Actually, that growth to that asset valuation standpoint of what that company's trading at are starting to show some attractiveness. I think an important conversation that we had offline last week between you, Todd, and myself was that growth 
tends to always look expensive, right? Those growth companies demand a premium because of the quality that's there compared to what the longer term average on the market is compared to what value names are doing right now. Yeah, growth is going to look expensive, but there's right. The key word there is relative. Uh, Yeah. When you say relative and you're dealing with a company that demands those premiums that are extremely well run, kind of the the golden childs of the market, you got to compare them to themselves almost and see what is the growth prospect going forward for that company and does that valuation compared to where it has been historically line up and is it attractive at the, the current valuations? And right now, some of those companies are looking that way. Yeah, and you've seen the market really dial things back on some of those growth names this year. Some of those growth names typically, you know, when we use the word longer duration, some of those revenues are, you know, anticipated to be further out in the future. And those have been discounted quite heavily. And I mean, it it makes sense to a degree, right? You've seen moves in interest rates that are somewhat unprecedented as far as the pace of, you know, the Fed hiking rates um, and the bond market kind of doing a lot of work for the Fed. But I don't want to get too off track here. I think another area we've talked about this plenty of times throughout the year here but i still think that the the opportunity in small caps is is quite attractive i've touted that valuation spread beforehand the valuation spread between small cap equities and their large cap counterparts but i I think that small caps still look quite attractive you know we've talked about the ability to be somewhat insulated from some of the more macro factors such as fx risk so there there's something there yeah and Todd did a little digging and put in a chart in our notes for this morning, and he wanted us to hit on the fact that small cap stocks in general have had positive returns in every decade. Specifically, small cap value has had positive returns every decade, going back to the 1930s. Yeah, and then to kind of wrap up the final point on our opportunities here, we touched on this a little bit earlier, you know, but the opportunity for the contrarian or you know, just taking advantage of some of the bear sentiment that we're seeing. Last week, we saw retail traders buy nearly three times as many puts as they did calls. That's quite bearish. We also saw hedge funds go quite short last week. Those indicators have typically been seen, as, you know, for someone taking a contrarian approach, typically seen as bullish. So could be an opportunity there maybe some capitulation as far as peak negative sentiment. So we'll see, right? Typically when you see markets sell off as hard as they have for as long as they have for the longer term investor, uh, times like this are usually a good time to put some money to work. Now, obviously this time it could be different, but kind of using history as somewhat of a guide, it can be somewhat of a framework to start to work in. Yeah. On an extremely short term aspect. I mean, a lot of pundits this morning are saying that you know, you might be seeing a bounce this morning just because of how much shorting there was on Friday. Uh, there was just a massive amount that came into the market and put some positions in place. Sure. What are you seeing in threats? I know we talked max negativity or getting close to that, markets being down. But a threat would be you continue to get more bad data that is significantly worse than what people are expecting. All of a sudden, tightening, rate hikes kick in and the economy really starts grinding or you see something overseas break right like i mean we're having headlines come out of britain daily now with changes happening and it almost seems like they are trying to scramble to figure out a game plan to protect their currency and make sure they don't have any issues with their pensions looking back at the u.s as well is that the Fed still also has more room to get more restrictive. If you're looking at the Chicago Fed Financial Conditions Index, um, that is not in restrictive territory yet. So there's a threat there that the Fed still has some room to go. 
Yeah, I mean, you look over the last decade, and we had extremely easy monetary policy, super low interest rates, quantitative easing in and out of there. We're coming out of that decade and going back to normal times, and that's not an easy thing to, to cope with, I guess. That's super important to note because you're looking at someone of a regime change, right? You had super easy monetary policy. You had growth companies that were able to raise capital by issuing debt on the cheap. And now you have a tougher environment. You know, you're seeing the argument. People are making the argument for, okay, you know, we're shifting from companies that are producing intangible goods, software, so on and so forth. And now we're kind of going back to some of those companies that are providing real goods and services. Not to say that you can't have growthier companies that do produce real goods and services. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But from an overarching perspective is what I'm trying to get at is that now valuations matter balance sheets matter, cash flows matter, as opposed to just looking at things super far off in the future, those discount rates now matter. That's what the market's really trying to get at. Yeah. And coming off of valuation could be anything. And especially coming out of COVID, that got stretched. Uh, We saw that with what market valuations got to. Tech sector in general getting extremely expensive, going back to dot-com era type valuations. And going forward, if the Fed is going to continue to be restrictive or just getting the policy back towards a quote-unquote normal, markets can't trade at those valuations anymore. And valuations obviously translate into price. I think on that note, a threat would be that the equity risk premium needs to move a little higher. You know, The equity risk premium, for those of you curious, that's the difference between the returns on equities and the risk-free rate, the risk-free rate typically being T-bills. So there's somewhat of an inverse relationship between the equity risk premium and prices in general. When you have prices move downwards, there tends to be a higher equity risk premium because the likelihood of higher returns in the future is higher. When the equity risk premium is low, typically there's room for more downside um, because the expected returns in the future aren't as high. The equity risk premium is still kind of low right now. You know, you've seen somewhat of a mix of interest rates kind of moving that around, valuations kind of moving that around, but at face value, the kind of consensus from many market pundits is that that equity risk premium still needs to move higher given the overall backdrop right now. Yeah, and I think that comes back to people still having a hard time thinking through that the Fed is going to come in and be the put again. You know, they're going to reduce rates at some point and stop quantitative tightening in a relatively short term. I think that goes back to, again, people somewhat, I don't want to say spoiled, but thinking how the last 12, 13 years have been, right? Really easy monetary policy. The Fed has swooped in, really helped out markets, and that's, that's a lot different now. Let's wrap things up for episode number 21 with our headline, Strength. We're still seeing that peak inflation narrative play out. Headline, Weakness. Economic data is likely to get worse from here, and the Fed is expecting that. Headline, Opportunity. Market is working around that bottom, and certain sectors of the market are starting to look cheap, specifically small caps and then some growth names. And our headline, Threat. Still be another leg lower in the markets. We could see more bad data, and the Fed still has room to be more restrictive. Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. Our guest today, Blaine Disrude, Trader, Research Analyst. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. Trevor Nargis, Trader, Research Analyst. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.